Welcome to Mansfield Bible Church. Uh, we are starting a new series out of 2 Timothy titled Fan the Flame. We introduced that one last week and uh, uh, that title, that idea, and we even looked at the passage. In fact, we'll look at it right now quickly, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to look at this one verse, but then we're going to look at the context of the passage. It says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan the flame. Fan the flame. The picture there is of a campfire where it's going out or has gone out and, it, and you need to put new fuel on it and you need to fan. In fact, in the original, it means fan again. So it's already flamed up. There's already been a fire there. It's already got the coals there. It's smoldering fire. And so you put the little twigs on there and you see them begin to smolder. And then you put on some other things around it and you begin to blow gently. That's the image that he has in mind when he says fan the flame. Now, we've seen pictures of stuff where fan, uh, flames are out of control. They don't need to be fanned. They need to be put out. In fact, in Australia, pray for Australia. They've got over 120 fires going right now. They're trying to get them out. They're getting discouraged. It's killing a lot of wildlife. I've seen herd of, of, of uh, I don't know if you call them a herd, of kangaroos and, and koalas and trees and other things that have died because of that. People who have lost their homes. And that's, that's when a fire is out of control. But God wants us to have a fire that's in control in our spiritual lives. And I was thinking about that, how a fire in control is essential to life. We are enjoying a fire in control right now this morning because there is a furnace that has not a flame in it unless it's gas. If it's a gas flame, then you have this gas fire enclosed in a box and it's protecting us in two ways. One from the flame itself, but it's also we're gaining heat from it. We're warm because we have heat from a flame and from a fire. When you have your gas, uh, your, I mean, in fact, every one of you that, that came here this morning uh, most likely drove. How many of you walked? Did anybody walk? Do I see a hand of anybody who, nobody walked, right, this morning? Uh, it's just cool enough. We want to get out and you want to go to lunch after, so, right? And so, uh, but you got an internal combustion engine. And it's got a, a fire inside burning up gasoline. And you don't have to fan the flame except you fan it by pushing that little lever, right? That's how you fan the flame. And you've got to make sure that occasionally you fill up the tank because fires burn fuel. That's a concept I want you to kind of get in your minds. Fires burn fuel. It's a simple thing. It's not something very complex. Except for when it comes to our spiritual lives, fire burns fuel. There are times in my spiritual life where I feel overwhelmed, I feel defeated, I feel discouraged, I feel burned out, and you feel it too. And what we need to understand is, it's not necessarily because of anything that I have done, it's not necessarily because of sin in my life. Fire burns fuel. And in order to keep the fire going, I got to keep putting the fuel to the fire. I mean, it's a simple concept, and yet in our spiritual lives, we forget it. In my car, i got to fill it up. 
The electric company or the gas company expects me to pay my bill and then they fill it up, right? I go out and eat and I fill up. And I, I've got plenty of fuel. I'm, 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 I'm ready, right? For any eventuality. Sometimes we overfill the fuel tank, right? But most of the time, spiritually, we can't see it spiritually. Our fuel tank is running on the fumes. And we say that, but we don't talk about, well, how do you fill it back up? How do we fill up the tank? And when I look at this passage, Paul starts out, fan the flame. And this whole book is about fanning the flame. You want to fan the flame? This, this is for you. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan the flame. Who's the responsible party of fanning the flame? Timothy. Timothy is the one who is supposed to fan the flame. Now, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, one, I remind you. And in fact, he says, I remember, I remember, I remember, I remind you. He says, as I remember you, let's look at, in fact, let's begin at the beginning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. The life is in Jesus. You can, you can say, oh, I believe in God. That's not enough. I can say I believe in a higher power. That's not enough. That doesn't save me. What saves me is belief in Jesus. That's why he had to come. Otherwise, he died needlessly. Our culture doesn't want us speaking about Jesus. Uh, they want us to, they're willing to talk about God. I've been at places where they said, hey, we'd like for you to pray for this, uh, this event. And, and, uh, but, but while you do, we don't want to offend anybody. And so don't mention the name of Jesus. I'm saying, sorry, I, I, that's, that's what I do. I talk about Jesus. It's who he is. I, I only have any power in prayer by him. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, if you don't want me to do it, uh, don't want me to pray, that's fine. But if you have me pray, just know that's what you're going to get. And they still let me pray. And I still pray in Jesus' name. Why? Because it's Jesus, I believe, and not anything else. I believe just like Paul did. I know who, in verse 12, I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard that which has been entrusted to me. It's Jesus. And that's why he says, to the promise of the life that is in Jesus Christ. He makes it clear from the outset where he's going. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. You remember last week, I talked about the fact that in 11 of Paul's letters, he says grace and peace, or in, in nine of them, he says grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. And the two to Timothy says, grace, mercy, and peace. And I think, why does Paul, Paul tell that to Timothy? What's going on in his life? We don't know. You can read commentaries. They'll say, oh, it's probably this or it's that or what. But bottom line, we don't really know. We just know that he needs mercy because he mentions it. And he doesn't anywhere else. So he's intentional. We also know in verse 4, I remember your tears. Something's going on. When Paul was with Timothy last... Timothy was in tears. They were talking. They were conversing with one another. And he's weeping. What is he weeping about? I don't know. I do know that in chapter 4 of the book before, 1 Timothy, he says, let no one despise you for your youth. So he's being despised by his very congregation. And it's because he's young. He says, don't do that. He says, set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. It's not about age. 
A person can be very young and be mature in their faith. A person can be very old and and be very immature in their faith. It's not a matter of age. It's a matter of what you do. It's a matter of what you believe. And Timothy was a guy who was a, a man of faith. And Paul says that. He says, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded the third time he remembers. He First he remembered praying for him night and day. Second, I remember your tears, verse 4. And then the next one, I am reminded of your sincere faith. You're a faithful person. You're a person of faith. You're a person that believes God. A faith that was dwelt at first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. You've got a heritage of faith. Wow, what a great heritage that is. What a great heritage to have people around you in your own family that are people of faith. I know when I first came to Christ, I was the first one in my family to come to Christ. I came home and I I shared my faith with everybody and they just kind of didn't want to hear any more from me for about 10 years after that. I kind of came in like a bull in a china shop, I guess. And I realized that I had faith but I, I needed to do it in love. I needed to share the gospel in love. But I didn't have that heritage. And, and I think, wow, he had a, a mom and a grandmother. Some of you have come out of that kind of uh, 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 heritage. And I think, wow, praise God for that. And here he is, a man of faith. And he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. You say, wait a minute, he's a faithful man. He's a guy, is, is, God, is Paul coming in and chastising him? Is he coming in and saying, look, buddy, uh, I know you're supposed to be a man of faith, but what's going on with you? You're, you're supposed to be someone who is, 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 is on fire for God, and I'm t- needing to tell you to fan the flame. Remember what I said at first? Fires burn fuel. And sometimes the fuel goes faster at certain times in our lives. If you got young kids at home, you're going to burn the fuel faster, right? You're going to be burned out quicker because they take a lot of energy. They're running around everywhere and you're trying to bring them up to be godly people and you've got these beautiful little sinners running around. <laughs> and you love them to death and yet they're taking everything you got you're at work, and sometimes work just takes it out of you. I mean, you're driving home, and you, you're not even remembering anything that passes by. You're just kind of just off in a daze, just glad to be on your way home, looking for some rest. You may have had tragedy that happened in your life, and, and your, your fuel went quicker than you thought it would. You had an allotted amount, and it was gone. You're driving your car even and, and you've got a certain amount of fuel allotted and there's a headwind and guess what? You're going to burn the fuel quicker. There's things that burn the fuel quicker. It's not necessarily because you, you did anything wrong. Fires need fuel, which means we need to tend our fire, our spiritual fire. We're very good at tending some other things in our lives, but we're not always good at tending that fire and not always good at evaluating where we are in that regard. And so we need to understand that when I have these things go on in my life, a normal part of the Christian life is tending the fire. That's normal part of my life, should be a normal part. I need to keep adding fuel to the fire. 
When I was growing up, my family loved to go camping. We would go camping and, and we, would, we would create this fire. In fact, I remember times when I went out camping with a few buddies and, and we didn't have a tent. We just had our sleeping bag and this fire. And so you'd build up the fire. You'd all kind of gather around the fire and go to sleep. And then you'd wake up and there would just be nothing there and you're shivering, right? And if you were thoughtful, you made a pile of wood and you begin to add stuff to the fire. And you blow on it gently, and guess what? After it smokes a little bit, it comes back to life. And you begin to add some fuel to the fire. Fires need fuel. They burn fuel. So in the spiritual lives, we burn fuel. And we need to replenish it often. And so we, we think about that. And, it, and it's, the interesting thing is, is we begin to look for somebody else to replenish that fuel. And here's what Paul says to Timothy for this reason, not for these reasons, notice. Uh, I think it's because of his faith, not all the things that he mentioned here. For this reason, because of your faith, I remind you to fan into flame. You do it. It's not somebody else's responsibility. It's not my responsibility or the person that you podcast responsibility. It's your responsibility and my responsibility to fan our own flame. When I was growing up, and when all of our kids were growing up, when you were growing up, mom or dad held the spoon, right? And at some point, you grabbed it and said, I do it myself, mommy, right? Hopefully. And when you grab that spoon, you begin to feed yourself. And then, and then at some point, mom and dad said, okay, you need to get your own cereal out of the cabinet and your own milk and it's at the level and so then they begin to do that. And then at another point, they, they say, now I want to teach you how to cook some of your own food and so you teach them simple things in a microwave or whatever and you teach them how to heat up something or cook something and then you take them to the store with you and you get them to learn how to, how to shop. And then at one point, you hope they get a job <laughs> so they can buy their own food, right? And so then they buy the food and then they do the shopping and then they do the cooking and then, and then they eat it. That's the process. But in the spiritual life, if we could just see ourselves like that, how many of us are waiting on somebody else to hold the spoon for us? How many of us are just in the stage of getting the cereal out of the cupboard stage how many of us are at the stage where we're actually cooking our own food and how many of us are at the stage where we're actually working toward that whole process and I, and I would say that why isn't that happening I think it's because we're not taught to do that we're not taught how to do we're not encouraged to do that we're encouraged to just listen as somebody else feeds and there's a good place for that I don't mean to diminish that because I love good teaching. It, it gives me understanding and insight into passages that I've studied for myself. And somebody says something, I go, oh, wow, I never saw that before. And, and it's fascinating to me, but I've seen other things. And I realize I need to fan into the flame the gift of God. And that was the other question I began to ask is how do I know when it's happening? How do I know when that process is happening? Well, I know it whenever I'm using the gift of God that he's given me now. The question is, is what is that? We don't know. 
Paul doesn't tell him what that gift is. Uh, is it the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, we see that early in Acts. We don't see that later in Acts, so that wouldn't be common. It's, it's through the laying on of his hands, so something happening, a transfer. We see that a transfer of authority that way. But, but the bottom line is, I know when the flame has been fanned, when the gift of God that I have given to me is working, is being used, is, being, is touching other people's lives. Jesus put it this way, that if we abide in him, we'll bear much fruit. So when I'm abiding in him, I'm fanning the flame. And when I begin to see the result in my life, I'm beginning to see the result of that. And so I believe that that's what, and, and, and then one other result that we see is he says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. When I see those things, power and love and self-control, the spirit's power, love, as I'm reaching out to, to other people around me and I'm exercising self-control, so I'm not just getting ticked at everybody around me and put off by the people around me, and frustrated with the people around me, I'm actually loving them in spite of what they do or say that may be out of control on their part. When those things are beginning to occur, I know the passion's beginning to grow. And so I think, well, how do I do that? What are, what are the elements to a fire? Because the elements to a fire are heat, um, Fuel, air, right? Three things. We all learned that in school. So spiritually, what are those things? There may be more than three. I know one of those things is certainly, or a precursor to those things, is the gospel of God. The gospel, because he talks about the gospel here, is that precursor because I don't even have a flame to fan unless I have the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God comes to me at the moment of salvation, according to Ephesians chapter 1, when I believe. So it's the gospel message and my response to it of faith, and the Spirit of God makes the fire. He's the one that makes the fire. He's the one that causes the fire. I don't make fire. He makes fire. And then I begin to fan it, and I began to, to, to fan those flames, and I learned to be good at fanning the flames. You know, I was, I don't know how many of you watch Survivor, but one of the things they do and have done for a while is at the end, they have three people that are going to be uh, with the jury deciding upon them. But that time right before the jury trial, well, those three, they have four. One person wins whatever the event is. And then they select one of the other three to be safe with them. The other two have to make fire. And that fire, learning to make fire, may be a million dollar decision, you being able to make fire. And I'm always blown away by those who have never practiced making fire until that day before. And they're over there furiously trying to figure out how they make fire, thinking, you've been here 39 days on this place, this island, and you haven't learned how to make fire in those 39 days, and you didn't, you knew you were going to be on Survivor, and you didn't practice it beforehand? I mean, and everybody in the whole crowd, I'm not the only one doing that. Everybody's saying, I can't believe you haven't learned how to make fire. And I wonder, do the angels look at us the same way? I can't believe that they can't fan the flames. 
You've got the Holy Spirit making the fire even. Can't you just fan it? That's all you got to do. Just kind of breathe on it a little bit. Throw a few logs on the thing. And I think, wow. Gotta, I got, we got to be good at this. We, we need to, uh, I mean, I'm sure the demons are laughing at us. Going, I can't believe they can't make fire. They can't flame, fight. I mean, the Spirit's already made fire. They, they can't even fan the thing. They're waiting to be fed. I just go, oh my gosh. It's got to be different than that. How do we fan the flames? Well, it's the gospel. And he talks about that. He says, therefore, verse 8, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And so I think, wait a minute. And he gets into the gospel right after that. I think, why does he say don't be ashamed? Why does he start there? Therefore, don't be ashamed. Well, he just talked about not having a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And I realize I can't be ashamed of Jesus and fan the flame at the same time. It's part of the reason that my flame is not fanned is because I'm embarrassed to be associated with Jesus. I mean, we all want to share our faith, right? And we're all told to share our faith in Scripture and probably every one of us is kind of nervous to do it. We find ourselves a little embarrassed about that. And I think, so if I'm supposed to be in love with Jesus, white hot for him, and I'm embarrassed by him, those two don't go together because I won't speak up for him. I mean, we see this normally in a relationship, right? If you're dating somebody and you want to be white hot for them and really excited about them and you're embarrassed to be with them, does that work? Not at all. They find out you're done, right? They don't go together. And so that's something that we need to be overcomers in, not letting the spirit of fear overcome us, but being willing to share in his sufferings of the gospel, for the gospel by the power of God. And then he gets into this gospel. He says, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of works, so it's not a work salvation, but because of his own purpose and grace, so it's grace salvation. God's riches at Christ's expense, which he gave us, it's a gift. He gave us in Christ Jesus, like I said before, it's got to be in Jesus, not something else, not just in God, but in Jesus Christ, the one who is our Savior. He, the, the Trinity points to the Son and says, that's the one to believe in. who gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, he's had this plan a long time, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. So where does my shame go away when I understand what this really is? I understand that Jesus is my Savior and that's why Paul goes into this very strong statement in verse 12. It says, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. He says, don't be ashamed. Here's why I'm not ashamed. 
for I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day which has been entrusted to me. Notice it doesn't say, for I know what I have believed. It says, for I know whom I have believed. We can all say, oh, I believe this, or I believe that, or I believe this, or or, believe this belief system, or theological system, or whatever it is. And those are important. Those things are important. But what's more important is who you believe in. It's one of the reasons why I spent time in the birth narratives talking about who Jesus is, in fact. Because it's important that we, that our faith is in Jesus and I know whom I have believed. He is the Savior. He is the one who died for me. He is the one who, who uh, has ever uh, lives to intercede for me. It is Jesus Christ whom I have believed. And so if I'm going to make fire, if I'm going to at least fan the flame, and I'm going to do it without being ashamed, then I have to be convinced I know whom I have believed. It's exactly where he started when he says, I know your sincere faith. He says, it's faith in Jesus. That's how the flame starts. Faith in Jesus is where the fire starts through the gospel message and our response to it, that we put our faith in Jesus, that we say, Jesus, I receive you into my life. At that, at that moment, whether, we, whether it's a moment of faith, whether or a moment of prayer in faith or whatever, however it happens in our lives, at that moment of belief, everything changes because you receive the Spirit of God at that moment. And so then he says, and I think this is the fuel. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The pattern of sound words. That's the scriptures. So follow the pattern of the scriptures. Follow the scriptures is what he's saying. And he, I, I think that he's talking about that because he goes on and talks about the word of God, almost more in this book than any other New Testament book. We have a lot about the scriptures in here. Awana gets their verse, their key verse, from chapter 2 and verse 15. Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. There's that idea of shame, right? Rightly handling the word of truth. That's the fuel on the fire. In, in chapter 3, in verse 10, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. And so there is, you followed my teaching. There again, the word of God. In verse 15, he says, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. He's talking about the scriptures. He says in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable and, and, and goes on and talks about how it changes our lives. And then in chapter 4, he says, preach the word. I mean, the word of God is a very key part of this book. And if this is a book about fanning the flame, guess what? The fuel is the word of God. And so we've got to put fuel on our fires. And the fuel is the word of God. Fires need fuel. The word of God is fuel for our faith. We need to spend time in it. 
And what will happen is, is you'll find yourself spending time in the Word, feeling filled up, and then something happens during the day and it's used up. And so you need to start the next day and you fill up again and then it's used up and you fill it up and it's used up. You fill it up and then all of a sudden you've used way more on that day than you filled up. And you're depleted, you're burned out, and you just think, man, you're, you, you feel destroyed. And the reality is, no, all you need to do is fan the flame. You need to add a little more fuel to it. Maybe you need to spend a little more time that next day just with you and God. I know this morning when I woke up, for some reason I felt depleted. I don't know why. I don't know if I was under attack because of this morning. I don't know why. But what I found myself is struggling. And so I found myself wanting to be an overcomer and thinking, Lord, I'm going to get through this. And I love that third song that we sang about, about uh, uh, the, the joy of the Lord and, and singing a melody and singing it louder and, and that God's going to fight for me. And I was thinking, wow, thank you for that song this morning, Lord. And I was thinking about that, thinking about being an overcomer. And I, was, and I, and I found myself for some reason feeling depleted for no apparent reason. And so I spent a little more time this morning in the Word. I spent a little more time. I just got my coffee and my dog sitting next to me and I just talked to the Lord. I thought, Lord, I'm, I'm feeling empty for some reason. And, and we have those days and we can't explain them. And I think, I, is there a sin in my life? Is there something I've done? I couldn't think of anything. And so I just spent time with the Lord. Follow the pattern of sound words, verse 13, that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, guard the good deposits. By the Holy Spirit, it's not on your own. It's not by your own power. It's not you just kind of getting tough and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's you looking to the Spirit of God saying, Spirit of God, help me. That's what I did this morning. Help me to get where I need to be. Because we all, it's a normal part of the Christian life. I was, I was thinking about that this week, that how we tend to think when I'm burned out, when I'm struggling, that somehow there must be something wrong in my life and something bad, and I'm thinking, no. Fires need fuel, and I'm just out for some reason. If my car runs out of gas, I don't worry about what sin I've committed. I just go fill it up. And I think about it in my own life, I can't always figure out why I'm depleted, but I do know what it takes to fill it up, and that's spending time in God's Word. And so I want to encourage you, as we begin this new year, spend time reading God's Word. But what I want you to do is not just spend time reading it, I want you to be able to get something out of it. And I, th I know a lot of people say, man, I read God's Word, but I don't get anything out of it. I don't know how to do it. And I think the reason for that is nobody's taught you how. We come to the Word of God, and it's like we have a toolbox to help us get into God's Word, and we open the toolbox, and the only thing in there are moths. We don't have any tools in there. We don't know how to get at the Word of God, and so it becomes like a, a kid that if you put him in a shopping cart and push him into a supermarket with millions of dollars worth of food in it, they would starve to death because they don't even know how to open anything. And I think that spiritually that happens to us. And so the simple thing that we need to do is just get better at it. Get better at digging it for ourselves. And one of my favorite classes, my absolute favorite class at seminary was one that Howard Hendricks taught on Bible study methods. Bible study methods. 
And he just taught us simply the tools. He filled our toolbox, told us what to look for, and gave us those tools. And, and I thought, started thinking, man, is there something else that's newer and better out there than Howard Hendricks? Because he came out with a book, Living by the Book. It's a classic. I encourage everyone in this room, go out, rush out, buy Living by the Book. I mean, Amazon may jack the price up because they go, wow, all of a sudden there's all this interest, you know, so the price goes up. Buy that book. Or, and or, go to YouTube. I, I looked this morning, I thought, oh, I wonder if any of that's on YouTube. It is. Howard Hendricks teaching Living by the Book. Now, it's not the classroom setting. It's a little more structured setting, and I didn't like the way they did it exactly. But it's still him teaching. And it's, and it's dated, but I would encourage you to listen to the whole series. There's only about three or four, there's only three sections Observation, interpretation, application. And in each section, there's three or four or five uh, things that he talks about in each of those. The videos are like 30 minutes. I'd encourage you to go on YouTube, find observation first because they're not in the right order. And in fact, you may find his, his, his outline and say, okay, here's the outline, and then go find those videos. They're out there. You can listen to them. I started listening to one this morning, and I was like, oh my gosh, how I miss that man. He's been with the Lord for several years now. I miss that guy. Mighty warrior for the Lord. And I think, if I could be half the man that he is and understand the scriptures as he taught me, I think, wow, I praise God for that. And, and I, so I asked this friend of mine, is there another newer, more up-to-date Bible study methods. He says, well, people are using this book today and I haven't read, I, I ordered it on Amazon. I want to look at it. I'm not ready to recommend it yet because I don't know much about it. He says, but they're using this. He's a professor at Wheaton. And he said, they're, they're using this one. He says, but there's nothing, and he knew Hendrix. He said, there's nothing quite like Hendrix yet. It's still the classic. I would encourage you, still get it. And even though you may have to kind of in your mind update a few things where he says, pull out a concordance you'll think well I don't need a concordance I can just you know go on blue line bible or something but just know he will give you the tools he will fill your toolbox when you read the word of God you'll begin to understand it for yourselves and when you read the commentaries instead of them telling you stuff you've never seen before they'll tell you stuff that you've seen and you kind of go oh but why are they taking this perspective and you'll be in, begin to grab the spoon for yourself and you'll begin to pour the cereal in the bowl yourself and you'll begin to cook it for yourself and you'll begin to buy the groceries. I mean, you're in the midst of growing and fanning that flame because that's what it takes. It's the word of God is the fuel and we need that. May we be good. May we become good at fanning the flame. Father, we thank you this morning. That you reminded, you had Paul remind Timothy to fan the flame. You weren't getting on to him. Paul was so tender with him. He was remembering his tears. He was saying, I'm praying for you every day, brother. He wasn't, he wasn't chastising him. He was just saying, I want to remind you. Fires need fuel and you've got to fan this one. And it's up to you to do so, Lord. I pray that we would not be those who just depend on other people to hold a spoon for us and listen to podcasts and, and everything else. As good as those are, Lord, help us to just read for ourselves your word. And in doing so, fan the flame. 
Lord, I know that as people come here this morning, they've got, some of them are running on fumes. Lord, I pray that you would help them, encourage them to fan that flame. Remind them to do so. That's a daily task we need to do. And Lord, I pray that we would be those who are white hot for you because we have tended the fires and the fire that the Spirit of God through the gospel has started in our lives and we will never be the same. We'll pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.